it's that level of accountability again though isn't it if, you, if you're accountable to someone and you know you have to deliver that or in, in this case scott's going to shout at you and make it worse for you in your next session then like you, you have to do it that self the self-motivation is really difficult for a lot of people i think i know myself like i've got all the all the the, the gear to train in the house and stuff and i'm having to use it just now certainly more but in every like normal life whenever that was like i would never train in the house i would always go to the gym because i know if i'm in the house i'll play the xbox or i'll go i'll go and play drums or whatever or i'll just invariably fanny about whereas if i leave the house drive to hillington then you're there and scott's there and brian's there or whoever's there aye and like even just like arranging to like mondays and tuesdays and stuff like that arranging to train with you and brian you know you have to be there because if you're not there you're letting down the other guys Welcome to Gains and Pains with Scott McLaughlin and Colin McGibbon in association with Just Train and a ton of coffee, where we get together each week to talk health, fitness and some absolute nonsense. Hi everyone, quick note just to let you know, we had a wee bit of interference through this episode so there's a wee bit of crackling in the background um, just because we were using zoom in a kind of three-way conversation thing so it wasn't the best quality and also i forgot to put my pop shield on so there's a few wee bits and pieces here and there but um it shouldn't interfere with anything too much and you should still enjoy it as much as you ever will if not much more because we have a top quality guest so on with the podcast hello Episode 48. Is it 48? What? Yeah, 48. All right, okay. Cool, that's exciting. Uh, nearly, a, that nearly, nearly a full year's worth of episodes, mate. Aye, I know. That's quite exciting. And not a single, and not a single lawsuit. <laughs> Yet. Give it time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, we've got a guest today. And it's not Emma. It's not Emma. It's nobody we actually, like, spend huge amounts of time with <laughs> so this is very exciting genuine guest genuine and i mean genuine hollywood movie acting star. type movie star your actual movie Aye. star who's been in movies in that <laughs> so let me just let me just what? do let me just read out my little my little bit of research we did here courtesy of imdb <laughs> we have this this lovely gentleman sitting before us here remotely obviously has featured in such classics as the Fantastic Beasts film, hey. films even, uh, which were excellent. I've got my Harry Potter mug and in, in support <laughs> of you, big man. I know you weren't in that one, but you know, some of the characters were. Um, Dunkirk, as directed by the mighty Chris Nolan. Yeah. Uh, what else we got here? Whiskey Galore, Sunset Song. Uh, what was the other one I saw earlier on? Sunshine and Leaf. You were the kind of main yep. guy in Sunshine and Leaf. So we have, ladies and gentlemen, oh, Nielsen's finest, and and he also starred in uh, latest Netflix series, right? English game, isn't it? That's the one. Right there we go. Yep. And it's phenomenal. Is it? Yep. I've watched it. So when lockdown kicked off, right, myself and Kirsty were like, "Oh, we need to watch something." And then on Netflix and it popped up and I'm like, wait a minute, oh, that, that looks familiar. And then I'm like, oh, Kevin's in that. Oh, you just, you just blew the big <laughs> lead there, man. The main dude, like, right, check it out. <laughs> try, try to big the man up sleep. here, you're just like name dropping here. Never give a surname. It could be like Kevin Bacon. <laughs> that would actually be a much better pull for the podcast, to be fair. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> we, watched, we watched the first episode on a Saturday night. Like that. That's phenomenal. We woke up on Sunday and we finished the whole series without getting out of bed. Nice. Oh well, there we go. Right, we'll give him some time phenomenal. to plug all this at the end. Calm yourself down. Let's get him on. Right, too exciting. <laughs> too exciting. Right, continue, Colin. Nielsen's <laughs> finest, Mr. Kevin Guthrie. Hey. hey. Gentlemen, how are we? Very good, man. How are you? I know yeah, we just said well. all this like five minutes ago before we recorded, but let's do it again. <laughs> yeah, just like <laughs> that's ideal. Happy days. 
How are oh, you, mate? Good. Very well, thank you. The sun's out. I've been out for my morning walk with my wee dog and uh, Laurie, my girlfriend, around Kelvin Grove. Lovely. Nice and quiet. Thankfully, it wasn't he, wasn't he mobbed. Um, yeah, all good. All good. How are you? Great, man. All, all, all fine here. Yeah, just kind of living the, the lockdown dream. Living the lockdown dream. <laughs> as discussed. As you said earlier, it's, kind of, it's just a bit of a surreal one, man. Do you know what I mean? It does feel a bit... Is it a holiday, especially now that it's sunny? No, no, must stay in work mode, if nothing else, you know. But aye, it's a strange one, as you said it's earlier. It's hard to know if it's going to just be like a flick of a switch. You know, the old mental side of things of, right, that's us now back in work mode, or this is a holiday mode, or I think we're going to have aye. to get better at knowing what is happening when, aye. because when it's, it's, the lines are getting a wee bit blurry. Yeah. And that's maybe I know what I found really interesting is that there's a few people that have all started back kind of this week and over the weekend the amount of folk that got in touch and going oh uh, uh, can you give me a wee training session just to kind of help ease my anxiety and stuff and I'm like yeah you okay and they're like yeah I'm just uh, I'm getting really anxious about getting back to normality or back to work and actually interacting with people again I thought it was really really yeah, strange yeah I, I think that'll be the case for a lot of people eh? if they've been on their own aye. or whatever then having to actually go back and socialise with folk that's going to be that's going to be the worst thing I've been training for lockdown for years, man. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> it's for granted that everybody kind of enjoys their job. I mean, there'll be a lot of people out there who really are really quite terrified at the notion of going back. Um, yeah. Not to be totally cynical about it. So I can see why people would um, want to have a conversation about mental health, want to have a conversation about relieving anxieties. And if that's through exercise, then good on them. Mm. Yeah, so it's been, it's been interesting. In terms of that, yeah. man, like you're obviously a busy guy, jet-setting about and all the rest of it and away for lengths of time on locations and stuff like that. So how are you finding it, being home? How, is this the longest you've been home for a while? Yeah, um, I, I was home last year, uh, the beginning of the year, for about sort of 12 weeks, 10 of which Scott was came in my backside <laughs> in the gym. Um, <laughs> we both well know. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a wee bit surreal, I'm not going to lie. I, I was fortunate enough to be uh, in the middle of a production at the time, so I know that I'm going back to that as and when it's sort of left. So I guess I don't have the sort of anxiety that you might normally have regarding when's the next job going to come in type thing. So that's, that's a kind of relief. Yeah. Um, but just getting used to being home this long and I think the, the strangest part of it was being home this long and not actually getting up to see my family normally the first thing I would do within a few days of coming back up to London is is go up and see my mum and dad and see the girls and obviously I've spent quite a lot of time with my girlfriend which is which is great because we don't actually get a lot of time together when yeah. I'm working um, is she close by that she can hear you saying that? <laughs> I was going to say no, <laughs> <laughs> she can hear camera my eyes <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, she is, she's currently in, in her flat, so um, we've kind of been isolating separately, but in, in, in each other's flats, as it were, oh, so we're okay. trying to do one household thing over two small flats, um, and she's only a few blocks away, so we're, we think we've not really been breaking the rules. Um, but yeah, no, I, it, that, that was the strangest thing, is, is sort of doing what everybody else is doing, all these like family Zoom calls and pub quizzes and <laughs> that, that kind of stuff's been good. Uh, and that's not normally my scene. I'm not really into a lot of that because I do a lot of Zoom and Skype for work. Um, but if, if I was to decide not to do those kind of things, then I basically would be a complete hermit. And I'm normally like 95% hermit. So to be 100% hermit, I thought, might, might not be very healthy. But I think we spoke about it the other week there, Kevin, didn't we? Yeah. That we're sociably antisocial. Yes, the small collection of folk that we like. It's actually on. I've I've put it up on my study. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like working away on scripts and like thinking about how I need to emote certain scenes, and it's just like I am socially (laughs) (laughs) anxious. Because myself and Kirsty were chatting to you and Laurie, and Laurie just you just seen Laurie's head collapse into her hand, going, "Oh my god!" Oh god, the two of us are so similar. No. It's true. Off the hook. Totally off the hook during lockdown. And it's a surprise, actually. I don't know uh, if you guys feel the same way, but there's been a lot of mates that I've spoke to, or parents, uncles and all that as well. And uh, on purpose, I'm describing only males, because I think lockdown has appeared to be a bit easier for males than it has been for for sociable females. Um, that's, 
generate, that's a total sweeping generalization, but um, of, of, the, of the few mates that I've got in life and my old man, we were like, this is great, this, this is a few. <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it, comes with its, it comes with its pros and its cons. <laughs> I'm not going to name them. Aye, Carol. I'm not going to name this individual <laughs> just in the off chance because you know what it's like you think they'll never hear about this or their wife would never hear about this but this guy's a lorry driver long distance lorry driver yeah. and he basically says he drives all over Europe to keep his own sanity because he can't <laughs> spend more than more than 24 hours at home with his wife <laughs> <laughs> I messaged him the other day. They were like, "Hey, man, how's it going? How are you keeping?" He went, "Aye, good." I'm like, "You back at work?" And he went, "Aye." And, I, and then he phoned me two minutes later. I'm just doing my walk. I just sent you that text because the wife goes through my phone, and um, I told her that I'm back at work. But no, I've been furloughed for the last three months. Uh, but I told her I'm working, and what I do is I just go out in my car and I drive and park up by a tent somewhere in a field, and I've been sleeping out there for the last five days a week. No <laughs> What? what? And he's like, ah, it's oh. great. I just pitch up the tent in the car in my rucksack, take some what, tin stoveys and stuff, wee campfire, wee bottle of gin, wee bottle of wine. That does me for a few nights. I smoke a wee joint and I chill out and I read my book. <laughs> <laughs> Clean up. And then I'm back home and I'm back home on a Thursday and I'm like, wow. Just wow. That's nuts, man. The good thing there. Scott, is you, you've not given the guy's name, but you've given away every single secret he's had. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to go down well. <laughs> nah, the, the connection shouldn't be there. Yeah. <laughs> so, in terms of like, um, well, you we said earlier on last year you were getting a proper beasting in the gym for like yeah. however many months it was for a role for a film. Um, mm. How just to get back on brand for the podcast, like. Um, <laughs> How much of a role has like fitness and stuff played in your life before the acting and all that? Because obviously, like, if you've got a specific role you need to change for, that's one thing. But were you always quite an active guy, like, growing up and stuff like that? Aye, yeah, <clears throat> good question. So Thanks. I've always been, I've always been very well prepared. This guy, I can tell. Uh, <laughs> sprayed his coffee over the sofa there. Um, I've always been I've always been fit by way of sport, so that's always been uh, cardio that I've just taken for granted. Yeah. And very very early, got got the football hours in me, running hours, uh, like golf, all that kind of stuff. I, I was just very sport inclined. Wasn't particularly academic. Didn't care for a lot of the time, especially secondary school that I spent at school. Um, and like yourself, get into music. So then, even drumming's a very physical kind of exertion for hours at a time. Or, yeah. you know. So I, I probably, without being overly conscious or deliberate about it, was was quite physical. Um, and I always found that if I was going to running, that was the one sport or kind of program that I didn't love, but I knew it was really good for me, and I sort of it helped with. You know, even like late teens, early twenties, with mental health and things like that, and just going out and clearing your head mm-hmm. before we used to all have conversations about mental health. <laughs> um, but with regards to how it affects or sort of dictates work, um, it's only really been recent. It's probably only been in the last maybe two years, three years, where um, I've, I've sort of sought a PT, I've sought a program of ten or twelve weeks to, to really define physicality for a character the, the program that scott and i went on was because the character had to look like a boxer and a sort of ex-squad with ptsd now i probably could have busked it and done a few weeks of my own workouts and kind of just got by but i it, there was there was such detail in some of the scenes that i had to look physically like i was exhausting myself on the pads i had to look physically like i had knocked myself out and i wanted to know what that felt like before shooting any of those scenes, so I kind of I went up to Scott with that kind of remit and was like, "You need you need to do me in for ten weeks if you can." And then I saw the glint in his eye and I thought, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and that was kind of that that, that I, I probably got as fit on that job as I did on any job, but just because you know we were in the gym five six days a week sometimes, yeah. um, and 
I think probably the only other job that was so physically demanding was um, a theatre job that I did early on, which was a boxing play, and I picked up all the boxing technique then, and like you know, body size and weight, mass, all that kind of stuff, all the science behind it and the kind of macros, all that sort of jargon that I kind of had to wrap my head around. I had an idea about it by the time I was going to Scott. Um, and it just sort of, yeah, it just informs the performance. It just gives you a real sense of what that character may or may not have been through. But also, there's just like a brilliant release of endorphins with that amount of exercise that kind of, when you go home and you're so knackered physically and sore, it kind of feels good in a yeah. kind of punishment in a way. I'll dig out the old messages because that totally contradicts what you were sending me in a text message. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think they would uh, be certified anymore, Scott. To be <laughs> but to be fair, man, like you, you went in, you went in hard with it. Like you were getting properly boosted every session. Like because it was obviously I was dipping in and out when you were there at, at times, and yeah, <laughs> you weren't like phoning it in by any stretch. We'd have, we'd have made sense of how my brain works is when I when I get a deadline or I need to deliver something, I'm really quite accurate in, in, in how I can deliver that. If, if anything's big or I've got a sort of like, oh, I could do this over the next couple of weeks, I do it, but I probably don't do it to that extent where I've just pushed myself the extra sort of 10 yards. Mm-hmm. And also I respond to, I respond to discipline and I do respond to authority. And because of you know, Scott, Scott, form and height and shape over me for him to sort of say, right, you know, just go down and do another 20 or push yourself through it. Scott's shape is currently round. <laughs> those guns, look at those guns. That's all, that's all camera perspective, man. It's just like, it's right up in the field, Just oh. getting shot from the right angle. I've been working on this angle since seven o'clock this morning. <laughs> Camera's gaffeted to the wall. <laughs> Big fish eye lens on it and all that. It's actually a prosthetic arm I'm bringing in and out the camera. <laughs> but see, from my perspective, what was really cool is that I've been doing this for about 20, this will be my 20th year now, and you get folk that are dedicated, they work hard, right? So, like, Colin, you're dedicated, you would train Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Thursday, Saturday, boom. Unless you had a work or family commitment, you were there. Yeah. And then... Kevin, you took it to a whole new level. When you contacted me first, honestly, I thought it was all my Christmases landing one because we ended up, we sat down and we had a right good chat about what your role was and really where you needed to go with it. And I'm like, oh, wow. And even my wife was like, you have been waiting your life for this opportunity just to really get somebody that says, I am yours for the next 12 weeks and just totally <laughs> submerge themselves in it. And the one thing I'll... I'll, we've all spoken about it calling it feedback. Yeah. If somebody's not giving you feedback, you don't know what you're working with. And I think for that 12-week period, even when I went on my honeymoon, I think we were still talking at least two to three times a day. Mm. Kev would say, right, I've had this for my breakfast. I've just, right, I've done this part of my training now. And that's it. I'm up the road and I'm having this now. And oh, I'm feeling a wee bit tired here and a wee bit drained there. I've got a bit of a headache. And I'm like, right, that's the sugar's coming out, you know, and the caffeine detox, stuff like that. And it's, the communication we had was phenomenal. More, more so that I enjoyed hearing about him bitching um, and complaining yeah. <laughs> about the, the beautiful relationship that developed with the Prowler sled. Ah, oh, everyone oh. loves the Prowler. That, I mean, look at his face. I know, yeah, it's all coming crushing back now, isn't it? I have, like, nightmares about that thing. <laughs> genuinely I thought the assault bike was bad, right? And that just sort of... For some reason, that just makes me sick. I just come off that and normally have to go to the toilet and vomit up my <laughs> I can kind of get over that. But for some reason, I don't know what it is, the prowler just will always kind of beat me. And I think it's because I don't have the, I don't have the strength in my legs that I think I've got. So I just <laughs> you get the general legs in from you feel like a wee boy. You just think, yeah. like, how can like a small bit of metal beat me? The prowler's a horrible one, that. though, like, because... It's just that sort of sense of like slow trudging horror, because you know you can keep going, man. You know you can keep pushing it, but it's just horrific. 
when it, when, it, when you sort of play it safe, which I normally, I like to kid myself on that I'm really pushing myself and I'm, I'm doing it like slow and measured and then halfway through like 60 laps, Scott comes in and he's like, just do the next two as fast as you possibly can. Like, yeah, no worries. Within like 10 metres, I'm fucking dead on my feet. Um, yeah, so, no, like Scott's right. I mean, the, the, the communication was big for me because I, I again, like it's, figured out early on that I respond to that kind of authority and I'm, I'm stronger at delivering something almost for someone else than I am for myself <laughs> so for this example specifically I was delivering it for the role right like so it's my job but also it was well I would I'd be letting Scott down if I didn't get the, the however many reps that I had to do so that that for me is good to know that my brain works better I, I can put myself into a higher level of productivity if it's kind of for someone else yeah. As, as as backward as that sounds, if I, I that was a massive life lesson for me in those sort of ten weeks. So I came out with, with a great level of fitness, brilliant level of diet, but mentally probably I came out stronger yeah. than, than I've been for a long, long it's, time. If it's, not. it's that level of accountability again, though, isn't it? If you, if you're accountable to someone and you know you have to deliver that, or yeah. in, in this case, Scott's going to shout at you and make it worse for you in your next session. <laughs> yeah. like, you have to do it. Like, that self, yeah. self-motivation is really difficult for a lot of people, I think. I know myself, like, I've got all, the, all the, the, the gear to train in the house and stuff, and I'm having to use it just now, certainly more. But in every, like, normal life, whenever that was, like, I would never train in the house. I would always go to the gym because I know... If I'm in the house, I'll play the Xbox or I'll go, I'll go and play drums or whatever or I'll just invariably fanny about. Whereas if I leave the house, drive to Hillington, then you're there. And Aye. Scott's it's there and Brian's there or whoever's there. Its purpose. Aye, and like, yeah. even just like arranging to, like Mondays and Tuesdays and stuff like that, arranging to train with you and Brian, you know you have to be there because if you're not there, you're letting down the other guys. Yeah. I, I don't, I'm the same, man. I, I don't have that mentality to, to drive it for myself and I'm envious of people who do if you've got that, yeah. that that motivation to just drive yourself as far as you can just mm-hmm. for the sake of it then all power to you I'm intrinsically lazy <laughs> I've got no <laughs> but I think speaking speaking to I've got two friends in particular who are actors who have a similar approach to most of their work there's a guy who basically makes most of his roles physical in some way um, he's currently crawling around a flat in London trying to figure out what it is to be a specific animal out in the wild, right? That's how kind of <laughs> he, how brilliant he takes it. But from him, I learned the lesson of process is an individual thing and it's per job as opposed to overall. So there are jobs where you can be totally, totally self-motivated because, again, it's reliant on the character. But if you, if you break that down, that's still me doing it for someone else or something else. And then in the kind of grander existential scheme of things, you can turn and say, well, I'm all doing it for self-interest. Everything, every choice I made every day that I got up out of my bed to go to the gym was, was always for me. It, was, it wasn't because I felt any fear of really letting anybody down. It was, yeah. it was good fun and good crack, and it was hard, hard work. But I knew that when the camera was on me in a couple of months' time, I wanted to look a certain way, and I wanted to look like the character that I was playing. So that's self-interest in it, and I sort of yeah. would like Self-interest is also hopefully self-motivation. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense, man. So in terms of the the, the, the transformation you had during it, did you notice a huge difference in yourself? Yeah, yeah. Physically, that goes without saying, just because the the level of reps, the kind of intensity that Scott was building it almost every day, but very much so every week, I could, I could feel there was a lot of aches and pains, a lot of real sore and niggles that eventually I thought they were injuries but they were actually just muscles that I didn't realise um, the diet one was a good one we got, we got a few hidden gems out there like you know the seafood pots that we came away with and edamame beans and paprika that got me out of jail so many times alright let's, let's delve into that then come on share the recipes so uh, I think Scott does it with chicken I might be right I don't know but the edamame paprika salt and pepper is that the one that you, you yeah get? So that's like ridiculously high in protein and, and not particularly high in calories. And I added into the mix, I'm vegetarian, so I added into the mix fish and you can buy these brilliant seafood bags, uh, chuck, them, chuck them in the oven or chuck them in a frying pot for a few minutes, bung them in the bowl with the edamame, salt, pepper, paprika. And I think 
it's just something ridiculous, like 100 calories, but it does really fill you up. Oh, that protein. It's, uh, it's, it was actually Kirsty's recipe. Was it? I've got to give her the credit for it. <laughs> all right, okay. Cool. She made it one night and my lap it all Oh, wow. Uh, and it's so nutrient dense, but like you say, low in calorie, and that, it's, it's what bodybuilders do when they're doing their weight cut is they try to get so energy, low energy yields, so low calories, but mega high nutrient density in terms of getting good quality nutrients so your body still functions. Yeah. And it was what was really cool was the kind of constant daily chats that we had where if you're like that, I am dead on my feet or whenever Laurie got in touch to say, I'm, I'm at, Kevin is going to, Kevin's going to murder me. I think it's like that kind of hangry way. <laughs> like the kind of sugar withdrawals and stuff. I think he's going to murder somebody, I think. And I'm like, right, okay, well, maybe I'll increase your food by another 100 calories this week. <laughs> Just kind of increase it a little. <laughs> I was playing that juggling act of performance over um, jail time. <laughs> yeah, and I think as well also, going off the back of like how, how have I changed or how, how has it all affected us and me, I guess, like, it just made me figure out boundaries again. Do you know what I mean? It made me figure out, okay, how far do I push myself where it's healthy and productive and absolutely right for what I'm trying to achieve? And then when have I pushed it too far? And knowing that hopefully the, the margin between those two lines shouldn't really be that far. If there's a moment where I need to go and absolutely rip something up, then I need to be in the flat on my own and I need to be in a safe environment <laughs> and, and for, for everybody. But... Um, yeah, I, I was actually on a on a on a genuine note. I was I was conscious of how it impacted on my partner and my family at the time as well because there would be periods where I wasn't sleeping. There would be periods where I was having a real headache and and kind of trying to cover it up as just like caffeine deficiency or whatever. Yeah, yeah. In actual fact, it was it was kind of eye watering. But then you would go in, sweat it out again, and and just really embrace how that made you feel. Yeah. So it was yeah, it's just good to know like. I'm sure I could have at points pushed myself further. I'm sure at points I could have pulled it back a little bit. But over the course of the whole kind of ten weeks, um, I, I don't. I'm not sure I could have kind of given myself over to it anymore. Yeah. And and that was a good learning curve because I I thought I had commitment, but there's like that commitment of life, and then there's commitment to actually singularly trying to achieve one thing. And um, granted. I wouldn't have been able to do it without Scott and then like yourself at the gym as well. There's times where we're all like egging each other on. <laughs> and you're having that, like, probably not a masculine thing. It's just like having energy in a room to keep you going. Uh, and just be yeah. one man. That, that you, you have no, you can't underestimate how positive that is, even if it's a joke or it's a whatever. It just takes you out of your brain, which is good. Yeah, definitely. Was there not an occasion, Colin, where you brought in some donuts for you and me and we sat and watched Kevin on the assault bike. I mean, it, it definitely sounds like the kind of thing we would do. It sounds highly likely. <laughs> we did go through quite a phase for a while. <laughs> um, I, I always remember vividly you, the pair of you coming in, you were doing your own stuff and, and I was quietly doing one of my like half an hour on the skip rope, like just kind of gently nipping myself into the warm-up and you guys were beasting out like um, dips and I was I was really proud of doing like twelve reps, and you guys were knocking out like fifty and sixty at a time. I was like, oh okay, I'm I'm just not quite there yet at all. <laughs> but that's the difference. Though. We've been we've been training kind of like that for years, and like you would run the legs off us on a football pitch, and Absolutely. that's what I love about fitness is it's totally different. Yeah, yeah, okay. So it's like each each aspect has got its own kind of its own strength compared to something else, and it's cool. We should all just yeah, do CrossFit, yeah. then we can be really good at everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's do that. <laughs> so, like, um, obviously, like, you were training for a role and stuff. Um, in between uh, jobs and stuff, do you, do you try and maintain a level of fitness or do you just kind of knock it back and just chill out for a bit? Or No, I definitely do keep it... I, I keep it... As often as I can. So, like, during lockdown, it's been every day apart from the weekends. And maybe even on the weekends, it will be going out for a, a kind of 20-minute jog or something like that. Yeah. Uh, we've, we've been doing, like, a 30-day hit challenge. So you'd maybe be doing 15 to 20 minutes high-end kind of interval stuff. That that kind of gets you blown. <laughs> so <laughs> i maybe do that and then come in at night and, and just standard kind of push-ups and set-up routines. 
Um, there's days where it's been much more relaxed than other days, and there's been days where we've kind of, for one reason or another, not been able to do it. So it's not been on a routine as such, but it certainly got us out every day to yeah. go and exercise. And I'll also do my cardio on top of that. Um, what I've really missed is the five-a-sides, because I play fives normally at least two, two times a week. And from a kind of banter, camaraderie point of view, it's really good and sociable, but it's also such a good cardio workout. You can't really count, you know, that hour of running about. Um, so I would do that in between jobs. Uh, I would always try and do my own stuff. If, if, if I'm in, like Scott designed a, a workout program that's for the hotel room or the apartment that you're staying at whenever you're on location and stuff. So I can work out on my own. Um, which I actually quite enjoy if, if I've got my music on or I've got podcasts and stuff or if I need to, like, sometimes I'll even learn my lines whilst doing sit-ups and push-ups or whatever <laughs> it is. That's pretty cool. Um, and then uh, and then if, if it's just in between jobs and I know, like, okay, I've got a few months off, I'll, I'll sort of uh, book another membership at the gym and try and do minimum sort of three days a week. Um, and I think, again, because I kind of... I've, blessed a little bit genetically in that I kind of keep quite lean without having to work overly hard but if I wanted to cut back down to the levels that I was at last year I would I would have my work cut out I'd need, need to really really commit to it but yeah I try and keep it going as often as I can so do you do you try and maintain a certain body shape to make yourself more employable in roles and stuff like that because I know like I was doing uh, I can't remember what gig it was actually but I was talking to a guy who was an actor and he did lots of training and stuff like that but he just he said he didn't want himself to get too big air quotes do you know what I mean that old one just because it would limit mm-hmm. the kind of jobs he would get so do you find you want to try and keep within a certain size bracket almost yeah yeah definitely I think because I'm shorter and slighter than most of my peers that's my advantage. That's that's my kind of golden ticket in terms of casting. So I would always play down in terms of age. Uh, I'd be able to play more of an age range than someone that's uh, taller and stronger, and you know someone that carries off a beard or whatever. So I would I would always my agent would warn me against getting too big. Granted, I've never been ridiculous. And I've I've never gone on the roids or anything like that. <laughs> Um, but again, role required. You never know. Uh, <laughs> um, but you would you would try and I think you just constantly try and keep lean and fit because it's, it's good for you, obviously. But the camera, the camera really doesn't lie, boys. Um, <laughs> it goes, it's Steve Crispy Krispy Kreme, yeah. and where you put it. Yeah. <laughs> Scott's camera game. lies. <laughs> <laughs> I've got, I've got a Snapchat filter. <laughs> Guns cam. <laughs> uh, so I suppose you need to, yeah, you, not everybody. I mean, I've got, I've got mates that, you know, brilliantly drink like fish and smoke like chimneys and, and get all the work going because they've got really good character faces. I've got guys that really obsessed with the gym and, and maybe don't work as often as they should because they've morphed their body into something that they can't then show on screen and stuff. So, yeah. yeah. Each to their own. I'm I'm not like sitting here all high and mighty, but I just I just try and keep as slim as I can. It's quite interesting, Kevin, that you say the camera doesn't lie because Colin, you know how there's a video where I done a house sprint carrying my kids. Yep. And Kevin, you know, uh, no, Colin, you know how you grabbed your daughter and you carried her running up a hill. Hammered up that hill, mate. Seen, steep. Right, and we've seen John McGregor carry his. Six foot two, seventeen year old son <laughs> up a hill. Oh. Although that camera angle looked that looked, it looked quite flat, and it wasn't we'll much give, of a sprint. But I will give him it anyway. <laughs> we'll give him the, we'll the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. So, Kevin and his lovely missus decided to join in on the action as well and do some oh, hill sprints. Really? So, get sent this wee video of them doing the hill sprints, and off they go. The camera certainly is. Somebody's going to piggyback up the top of the hill. And then you realise it was Kevin getting a piggyback from his missus uphill. Kevin takes a downhill route with her. <laughs> Amazing. Look at her back down the hill. Uh, I mean, I like, in, in Kevin's wow, defence, it is harder running downhill, though. You need to be more careful. Uphill's fine. As we've touched upon already, I don't have 
crowler legs. So, you know, <laughs> and you're saying Laurie does? <laughs> just edit that wee bit out there. Yeah. yeah. That wee bit there. I That's think we've got the open intro, Colin. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Kevin Guthrie says, Mrs. has massive legs. <laughs> well, she absolutely does not. <laughs> she doesn't. Um, uh, right, we need to see the video of that then. That's, that's great. <laughs> yeah, that was during one of the during one of the sort of 30-day... We've done a couple of them now, but uh, it was this brilliant wee hill, Kelvin Grove, next to the skate park, and it actually looks yes. really big on camera. <laughs> Three and a half feet high. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, it's great. Have you done the, we were working out outside and, and like doing the doing the the workouts in the sunshine. I mean, there's no there's no better thing to do really. Oh, that's great. Jerry used to make us do sprints up the stairs at Kelvin Grove all the time. We used to train oh, in there. Yeah, yes, man. And then there's a big long stretch. Um, can I see where the wee cafe place is along next to the sort of swing park? There's a big long yeah. straight path and a run up to that. Yeah. He used to make us do like shuttle sprints and stuff up and down there, man. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I know, disgusting. Yeah. Back, back when I used to be able to like run and all that. <laughs> um, as you say like you talked about earlier on like you notice a big difference if you don't like you're talking about playing fives and stuff a couple of times a week just to maintain that level of just base fitness like I know I was the same I used to play fives once a week and used to do the boot camp thing with Jerry on a Saturday morning and you notice a massive difference when you stop doing that kind of thing I, I got much stronger because I was doing different things but my, my base level of running ability and cardio and stuff has definitely decreased since I did a lot of that sort of stuff but again the Scots plus you're over 40 now what's that plus I'm over 40 now so I've got an excuse <laughs> eh? I'm just old <laughs> dad bod <laughs> um, what was I going to say aye right let's let's get a bit nerdy then just before right. we wrap up Dunkirk mm-hmm. did you have to do like boot camp and all that they kind of sold it that we would, but it, it wasn't uh, it wasn't that intense. I have to say, there was a lot of swimming involved because they obviously had to get insurance for the fact that we could swim. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they couldn't swim. Um, it was a brilliant moment where, uh, like on the first day on set, uh, the guy was like, "Hey man, so have you have you done the swim test?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I sorted. Cool. Yeah, great. So if you just want to jump in, then go for it, and we're going to roll the camera." And, so, like, the waves are 20 feet high. We're out in the middle of the ocean in, uh, I think it was the Atlantic at the time. Right. And uh, just, yeah, just just dive off a ship, mate, and just go for a swim in the sea. <laughs> right? Cool, cool, right. The, uh, the, the swim test, in inverted commas, was swimming around the boat that was about three feet. <laughs> so, all of a sudden, you've passed the test, the whole film has been insured, good to go, and you've got to do a swan dive off the side of a ship. No way. Oh, I'm not too sure about this. Um, it, no, it was great. It was it, it, the the actual filming of it was was the challenge. That was the test. There wasn't you know we kind of very quickly put through our paces over a couple of days right. at the start. But then by the time we actually shot the film, that was the endurance test because there was days where I think I've even I've maybe mentioned this before, Scott, about four hundred times, where I was <laughs> <laughs> treading treading water for like eight hours a time, and oh, you would man. then you'd then be like giving a wee float to just sort of hold on to and hover. Right guys, we're gonna we're gonna roll the camera again so we'd all chop our floats off the frame. Swim as, as fast as we could, as far as we could. And that's kind of what was brilliant about a lot of the water sequences. It was just swim in that direction as fast as you possibly can, as as, as far as you possibly can. There wasn't any big like psychological kind of approach to character. It was just get in the water and swim and keep swimming. Um and that that was tough, man. That was like you're talking like salt fatigue. You're talking just your legs just sort of cramping up, ankles, knees, toes, everything. It was your body was freezing because the water and and the sun was like blazing at thirty odd degrees. So you're, you're just so like discombobulated. But again, it was it was good to come out at the end of it and think, well, I did that. And the, the, the swimming sequences, as much as they probably only amount to like maybe 10 or 15 minutes on camera, we were doing that for eight weeks. Really? So, yeah. And then the actual scene work we shot out in Los Angeles in a set, in a, in a build, mm. uh, for five weeks. So it, it, 
relative to how much screen time you get, like close-ups and action shots and all that, um, it, it's quite skewed. You do a lot of work that's surplus to requirements, but you've still got to commit to it the same way you would if you know if you were doing it for ten seconds. Yeah. So, do you enjoy the physical aspects of it all, or would you rather do kind of just straight acting, like almost theatre type stuff? Do you get? Do you kind of relish the physical side of it? Yeah, very much so. I think because there is that probably like the the kind of endorphin release that comes from exercise anyway when you do a when you do a take there's so much adrenaline involved just to get it right so there's like this kind of excited fear energy when you when you add physicality into the mix and then and above above that you add real exercise or a character that's gone through some serious physical kind of trauma and mm-hmm. um, that's that's quite uh, liberating but when, when you do that for so long, you then get sort of overwhelmed by it and it can be, oddly, it can be quite emotional. So there's times where you'll maybe come in at night and you just need a really good greet to let it out or, <laughs> you, you know, you need to go and put on like some light-hearted Disney flicks so that you can just sort of break it a little bit. Um, but I would never, I would always try and manage my decisions so as that I've got one as well as the other. So if we've, if, if we've been doing film and telly for a few years now, I think the last play I did was about four years ago. Or maybe just at that time again, we were thinking, should we take on a play? Should we, should we do something a bit more different again? Something. Yeah. Um, but it's just it's about what's available as well. You know, you, I'm not saying I'm inundated with offers, but you're, you will be getting approaches saying, we're doing this production, would you want to be involved? And you'll always read it, you'll always take it at face value, and then you'd make a decision based on whether you, you want to do it or not. Yeah, it's just a shame all the theatres are shut now, though. Like, yeah, and, and, and I'm really kinda, yeah, that to, to strike a more serious note, that that is quite scary. What's going on? Mm-hmm. A pile of mine was halfway through a tour that should have been paying them six months' wages, and obviously they bowed out after three, and they went into lockdown, and and that was it. it was for for a lot of actors who are like for the bread and butter being their theatre work, yep. um, that that whole industry's dried up overnight, you know, in a, in a, in a flick of a switch really so we, we just need to hope that there's still money in the coffers at the end of all of this to yeah. some theatres and, and make sure that productions are, are still up and running um, yeah so it's pretty pretty spooky but hopefully you know touch wood we'll, we'll get through it yeah man so I think a lot of people think that it's just a case of lift the lockdown restrictions back to work other than return to normal when you're going no because you've heard of so many places and I think there's a wee we, nothing major, but we can a theatre production play something Cumbernauld. Yeah. Basically, mm-hmm. been bankrupt and not that, and up. We can't reopen. Yeah. Because we've we've now basically went into kind of administration. We've not got any money left to pay any of the bills, and there's like a two year lease left in the building, which yeah. we're going to all the kind of the kind of two main directors are going to have to foot the cost for that now. Like we, we can't bring the money back in. Yeah. And they're, they're talking about social distancing long term. So if you diminish your capacity from a 300 seater down to 150 you're already on 50% of everything that you take and you know even the government grants and the funding and the sponsorship and all that so they're going to have to be really inventive about making money and, and getting people in and I think that's even in the short term that they're coming up with those ideas at the moment similarly to the way football's been financed in terms of they're now having to release funds and not have the games or they would have the games played behind closed doors Theatres clearly don't have that option available no. to them, and you know, there's no. I, know, I think Rangers are doing. They've got a deal where they're going to pay per view all their matches. All right. So I think that what they, I think they're going to get paid eighty thousand per game. Right. Because, right. like, my mother-in-law, her partner Gordon, his son is the uh, is Ross Wilson, the director of football for Rangers. All right. Cool. Really. Um, yeah. Aye. That's interesting to find out. <laughs> get me some tickets we'll see what we can do for hospitality right see if you can get me a game there's a really, there's a really nice stadium uh, in the east end of the city <laughs> uh, I'd, I'd probably recommend that yeah, one over the winter Chelston Boys Club <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Aye, it's 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 going to be interesting times, as you say. Like it's not just going to be this flick of a switch and everything's back to normal. There's going to be real hardship 
certainly in terms of the arts and stuff for a long time I think it feels that it feels that it might leave a bit of a legacy to be honest and mm-hmm. the more I'm hearing when you I mean a lot of even the positive energy coming out of conversations is still well we won't be doing this for a certain amount of time we won't be doing that for a certain amount of time so that the kind of constant running costs of trying to just predict what's going to happen uh, too many ifs and buts yeah exactly there's a, there's a lot of vague areas and Cynically, I suppose, um, there'll be a lot of like kind of scrupulous people out there that might want to take advantage of the fact that they've not been paying into the arts or any specific industry for a period of time now, and they would be able to debate that it's not really affected anybody, which of course we know is not true. Mm-hmm. But it means that um, funding and sponsorship in the in the future will be harder to to achieve. I think that you know you can also sort of um, ally that with the fact that people will be desperate and hopefully are still desperate for film and theatre and yeah. and all that. There'll be like an, a sort of dehydration of art <laughs> over the last few months that we all need we all need more fix sooner rather than later and that's where hopefully our industries will kind of prosper again. Yeah, definitely. Uh, better not ruin my, my plan for that script for you, Kevin. No, no, don't you worry about that. Well, Down the go. So I've got this idea, Colin, right? right here we, we go. Are. Again, Evan, right? The movie. <laughs> <laughs> if you know jo- the actress Jodie Comer that plays uh, She's Assassin a ma- Killing Eve. Do you know what? We just we finished watching that last night. I watched the last episode last night. She's brilliant. amazing. Aye. She's brilliant. Um, She's like totally mental. <laughs> but she That's what I'm saying. So my script is kind of like we get Jodie Comer, Kevin Guthrie, kind of like, almost like in a psychopathic couple like the Joker and... Um, Harley Quinn, oh, someone like that. <laughs> walking about, kind of, they're walking through the shops, they have, then somebody bumps into Jody and Kevin just goes mental, starts slashing them up and just totally flips his lid. I'm on board, man. I'll put money into this if I get an exact. See, we've already got cathartic for Scott. I think there's a lot of something inside here that <laughs> <laughs> I might have to do the vehicle for that, but we watched uh, it's a BBC drama with um, Jodie Comer in it where she's been, it's called 13. Yeah. Where she was basically she was held kidnapped for 13 held hostage for, she was kidnapped for 13 years and escaped. And she's a total fruit loop in it again. And I was like, oh, do you know what? And I said to Kirsty, I went, it'd be really cool if you could get her. And she went, Kevin. I think the two used to play that total cycle roll together so well. Oh, God. I don't know that. Is it okay? You're getting pigeonholed already, mate. Mental psychopath. Oh, because ever since, again, Kevin, any time I've been put forward for stuff with Sonia, you know, you all said, it's in the eyes, it's in the eyes. And see now when I watch any movie now, I'm like, ah, She's brilliant, she's brilliant, he's brilliant, they're crap. And it's and you're looking at they've got near and Kirsty's like, Oh my god, yeah, he's right. And in her case, yeah, like, I've noticed that a lot watching Killing Eve. Like, her her, eyes, her, her like, eyes are amazing. She just aye. Aye, she's really she's really clever. Just like the sort of subtle movements she makes and stuff. But do you know, all the way through, like I know she's like a psychopath and all the rest of it, but she just plays it as like a, a petulant child. You just think that's my kid Why? sometimes, man. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Just the way she behaves <laughs> like kid all the time. <laughs> she's got the she's got the likable sort of energy as well, you know what I mean? You're, you're they want to know what she's going to be doing and that's yeah that's just as an actor. And I, I think her eyes are ninety percent the reason why, as well as she's you know, she's very inventive. She, she's clearly kind of spontaneous. Yeah. She's got brilliant timing. Um, yeah, got a couple of friends that have worked with Jodie, and, and she's she's a she's a brilliant person, and she's a, a clearly an amazing actor. But I think she takes it all nice and light as well. She doesn't get too serious with yeah, it, and that's yeah. where we're probably getting the light in the dark. And the yeah, yeah, absolutely. I didn't realise she was a scouser until very recently. I genuinely thought she was like oh Eastern God, European or something. Yeah. Amazing, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not. She just flicks Come on, Kevin, Let's hear your Russian accent then. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> That's one question I will not be drawn on. <laughs> Have you had to do any accent stuff at all? Yeah, um, all the beast stuff is American. Oh, I suppose uh, I do like English quite a lot. Yeah. yeah, English, Irish, American seems to be my kind of thing. Right. Um, also, there's a lot of times that you'll maybe meet for a role in an accent that they've had in their mind, and then they'll say, "Actually, 
your, your Scottish accent's not particularly strong, or the way you do it doesn't feel very regionalised. So yeah. you know, with that, or they think we love we love that as a sound. It's very different to the other character. So why don't we put that in the mix? So it's it's kind of all up for grabs unless the character's very specifically written from some place. Yeah. I always enjoy it when they make like they get like really good Scottish actors and then give them like an Irish accent or something. <laughs> it's like, what's the point? Well, yeah, no. there's, there's a lot of really funky decisions that you're like, oh, this makes sense now. For years when I was watching the telly, going, why, why did he sound like that? Because back in the day, someone thought he was Irish and he's just been given Irish roles for the rest of the life. You know what I mean? Crazy. Brilliant. And then after 30 years, you realise you're Jim Carrey and you've played the same role in every movie. Pretty <laughs> <laughs> much. Awesome. Um, right, we should probably wrap up then, if you need to go and PT stuff. Aye, three minutes, right? I'm cool. going to go and eat my lunch, because it's lunchtime now. Aye. Kev, thanks, thanks very much, man. This has been awesome. Aye. Thank you so much. Absolute pleasure having you on. Pleasure. Do you have do anything again, you want to plug before we go? Uh, for any of us who haven't watched it already, there's a cracking wee show called The English Game on Netflix. Have a look at that. And also, on a on a charitable note, uh, my girlfriend and I are doing food deliveries for the homeless around the city. Uh-huh. So if you want to go on to help the homeless, I think it's helpforthehomeless.com or .org. Um, I'm not on social media, but they're also across the socials. So it's Help for the Homeless Glasgow. If you want to jump on that and chuck us a fiver or a tenner or whatever spare change you've got, then we can keep firing food out to the homeless brilliant man that's awesome. very good nice one alright cool. international movie star and all round good guy philanthropist thank you very much well oh. fibers in the post boys the fibers are in the post <laughs> like Glaswegian Tony Stark <laughs> <laughs> that's a script we should talk about yeah totally oh, <laughs> when's Scottish it, Avengers when are you going to get the Marvel game that's the big one uh, yeah, yeah. I can feel it, man. It's coming. It's coming. Next time you're definitely getting back on the podcast when that drops. (laughs) (laughs) We spent 59 minutes bigging you up, right? And just to finish, I need to bring you back down. You've always got to kind of bring somebody back down, right? Giveth, take it away. Correct. Now, Kevin's a cool guy. He's an awesome, awesome actor. Yes. Absolute pleasure to work with. He's not quite made it yet because see what all the wee fantastic beast cat plastic toy characters you get? He's not got one of them yet. There's no Abernathy vinyl pop, no. Oh. There's no Abernathy vinyl pop, so. Come on, man. Exactly. Uh, Every time I'm in a shop, theory. I rummage through them all and I can't find them and I'm gutted. There's a conspiracy theory that I struck a deal with Lego because I do actually have a Lego character, but it looks absolutely nothing like me. Really? Oh, I, I missed out on about. Um, 10 years worth of royalties. I'm only joking. There's a Lego series of Grindelwald's Escape, which is in the start of the second film, and there's like wee characters that are basically his henchmen, and I think it one, it, one of them was, was titled Abernathy, so I can sort of claim to have a Lego character, but I'm pretty sure that wouldn't. Just, just claim it, mate, and run with it. I'm going to go straight, it, straight on to Amazon after this. I'm going to buy it, and I'm just going to screenshot your face I... and stick it <laughs> on the Lego <laughs> minifigure. It'll be a bit, it, it'll be a bit six foot. It'll probably have blonde hair. <laughs> be like, people that do World of Warcraft having to get tiny wee paintbrushes out and just paint your face on. Exactly. <laughs> Lego minifigure. This is Chris, Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> Uh, that'd be a good one. Right, on oh, that note, guys. it's been a joy, man. Thanks, Thanks very, very much. much. Thank you. Right, see you all next boys. week. Bye, everyone. Take care, guys. See you later. Yeah. Bye.